As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day, just get a little bit better every day. Hi, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We are back. Another episode of 1% Better. And we're getting closer to game day. We've got a big one. It seems like every week's been a big one <laughs> of late for the Colts uh, because they're in it, people. They are in it. They are tied for first place. Really, uh, they're actually in first place by virtue of their win over the Tennessee Titans. And they'll see the Titans again on Sunday. Big game, Zach. I'm, I've said it before. We're saying it again. Uh so let's talk about this. Uh, what's at stake here in your mind, right? This is not like that week 17 matchup a couple years ago where it was for all the marbles, right? So it's right. not quite that. But but do you think, I guess, how far will the winner of this game go or how far will a win in this game, do you think, go toward winning the division? I mean, is this should we should we overreact to this or is this just another game or what do you think? I think it means different things for both teams. I think if mm. the Colts win this one, they are absolutely in the driver's seat. It's not over. It's not over because there's five games to go, and the Colts still have some tough ones. They've got Las Vegas, and they've got the Steelers in Week 16. Although, you don't know what the Steelers are going to be playing for at that point. They could have the number one seed wrapped up, although I don't think they will because of Kansas City. So both teams have a tough final stretch. But if the Colts win Sunday... It's their division to lose. I really think so. I think you'd probably agree. If they don't, that means the Titans and Colts split the games this year. The Titans would be up a game in the standings. They would be eight and three. The Colts would be seven and four. Um, but let me ask you this. I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but the way the last one ended with the Colts ripping off 21 straight unanswered points in Tennessee to win that one going away. Does any bit of you feel like the Colts have a mental edge in this game on Sunday? Maybe even in this series. They've won 20 of the last 24 against the Titans. Yeah, I've, I've wondered about this at different points because clearly this is a topic we've touched on before. They they always had a, a mental edge. There's no question in the past in this game. I mean, Andrew Luck, basically, you know, the father of the Tennessee Titans, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, But what I would say is kind of to your question, kind of. And the reason I don't go all the way with it is because the the personnel has changed a lot, right? The 
even the coaching staff has changed. You know, Vrabel's only been there three years. So there is a little bit of a different mentality. I, I think the Titans are a different organization in the last few years. They really are. I think they've come a long way and just yeah. in, in their, their character and the way they are built and, and all of those things. That being said, <laughs> I will tell you, I read my Twitter mentions and there were a few people this week uh, from Tennessee engaging with some Colts fans in my mentions. And a few of those Titans fans were like, here we go again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was surprised. I was like, whoa. I, I saw one guy say it and then another guy said it and it means nothing. Completely they just went to Baltimore and won. But, I know, but you you asked me, is there a mental edge? I don't know if there is for the players, but their fans, <laughs> they are, they definitely have sort of a, a a complex. There is no question about it. They have a complex about the Colts, and, and again, it goes back to year after year after year of getting your brains beaten by the team four hours north of you. So, yeah, I I don't know. I, I would say this: the Titans, they didn't look like the Titans in that game. That's for sure. <laughs> we'll tell you that. The, the crazy thing that, that that I keep going back to that stands out to me, and, and I watched Derrick Henry win the game for the for the Titans on Sunday with that yep. game-winning touchdown run, is Derrick Henry wears teams down, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what this is what he does. He's such a monster. He wears defenses down. I think it was Tony Romo who was on the call a couple weeks ago calling a Titans game, and he said, look, when I was in Dallas, our guys just got tired of tackling him. And you've seen that time after time. That was the opposite situation on that Thursday nighter. The Colts wore down Derrick Henry. The defense wore him down. I'm not saying he can't come out and have a great game on Sunday, but that's how stiff this Colts defense is. 41 and 3, 41 points for three against the last two games in the second half against two really good teams, the Titans and the Packers. Um, I think we we pretty much know what we're going to get from the Colts defense moving forward. They're going to be pretty good. You know, they gave up some to Aaron Rodgers on Sunday, but there's no shame in that. This is the number that jumps out at me. 27. That's where the Titans rank in passing yards per game. We saw Phillip Rivers really have his way against them. 300 passing yards in that Thursday night game. If the Colts are playing a team with a bad passing defense, that's a really good chance for the Colts to win the game. I really think that's one of the most telling statistics. You know what you're going to get from the defense? The Colts running game has not been a huge factor of late. They did run it well in the second half against the Packers. But I really think the one area of the field that can decide the game for the Colts is whether they can throw the football. And they proved a couple weeks ago they can throw it really well against this Titans defense. Yeah, and when they throw the football, I, what I've what we have learned is that whatever they get out of the running game tends to be enough. And they're not going to get a ton out of their running game right now, right? They're not a, they're not a team that's going to go out and run for 180 yards right now. But that's okay if your passing game is giving you what you need. So I agree with that. Uh, so I've been asked a couple times, this week, I've been on Nashville media a couple or radio, excuse me, a couple times, and one of the things they asked me, and this is a good question, right? These two games are in such close succession. What do I anticipate will be different? You know, how will it be a different matchup this time? I don't think it will be that different. But the one thing I came up with as a possible answer is this: I don't think Tennessee will gift wrapped it this time because I'd be they surprised, definitely right? did. They definitely did. Look, the Colts did their part, and the Colts would have won without some of those, without some of the help that Tennessee gave them. But the punting situation, just the absolute uh, missing big plays opportunities that they had in that game. There were a couple of them that come to mind where they just couldn't connect Tannehill and his receivers, where the Colts would have been in trouble in a couple of those. And I don't think those are things that are that you can count on happening again. You know. Uh, 
they do happen from time to time, but they had a lot of them. And that played a big role in the Colts coming out on top. So I don't think the Colts can count on that. I think this is a closer game this time because I think the Titans will likely eliminate that just on the law of averages. You know, I don't think that's what they do from a week on a week to week basis. They play pretty clean. Vrabel's a good coach, good staff. I don't think they do that again. The other thing that I took away from that first game, I was just looking at this a few minutes ago, and it's it's really interesting. So Tennessee is, this is an advanced stat. It's kind of interesting. If you look at, uh, if you look at explosive play rates, in other words, how often your offense generates an explosive play, be it through the run or pass, okay, the Titans are number seven in the NFL. It's actually a, kind of a cool stat because we can look at we can look at like how many teams have this many or you know how many explosive plays you have. Uh, the The rate of those explosive plays is probably more of a indicator or in, indicator, excuse me. So anyway, they're seventh in that metric. Kind of interesting. It's pretty high, and and we know from watching them, right? They have a lot of big play guys on their team. But what happened against the Colts? <laughs> their longest play in that game. 21 yards. Yeah, that that is an indicative stat of this Colts defense. Yep. They only give up big plays to future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? <laughs> By the way, can Aaron I Rogers. just say, can, can we just put this in perspective? I know we we did the, the Packers podcast already, but can we, I was thinking about this earlier. It's like, you know, Rocky Sin, whoever, I mean, all these guys, uh, you know, Darius Leonard only had like seven tackles. I mean, what a bum. But mm-hmm. <laughs> giving up, Giving up 31 to Aaron Rodgers is like giving up 30 to LeBron James. <laughs> okay? Like, so what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a big deal, dude. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I know I interrupted. I'm sorry, but I just had to say that. Like, No, no. I, it's and, okay. I, and I read this in your film session this morning that was posted, and it's like I watched that closely, that first play of the game from scrimmage, and it's like Rocky Sin had really, really good coverage, but sometimes – Great coverage just gets beat by the perfect throw. And that first throw, the game was unbelievable, let alone the 47-yarder from his own end zone, which if you look closely, there was a little bit of holding going on. But that's a whole nother side story. But look, I mean, Rodgers, I don't even think I'm going to blame Julian Blackman for the last one, the one I just mentioned, the 47 one. I know he was a little late, but he closed pretty fast. And the difference for me is the velocity on that throw from Rodgers, it, it, it was almost unbeatable. It just... It was such a good throw that sometimes, even if you play really good defense, it doesn't matter. I know I'm getting on a tangent, but they're not playing Aaron Rodgers this week. And I know Tannehill's really good, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. And so, like you said, if they can corral those big plays, you know, Henry had his. Henry got his in that game a couple weeks ago. He didn't have a bad game, but he didn't break it open either. And that's what happened last year in this game. I think they played on Thanksgiving last year at Lucas Oil Stadium. Titans won going away because Henry really broke them in the second half. That's something that doesn't happen very much this season, if ever. And if they can corral him and keep those explosive plays in check, you know, they're one of the best in football at not allowing those explosive plays. Um, all that's going to do is give the offense more chances. And and that's sort of a good pivot point because we talked to Phillip Rivers today. This offense is getting better. This offense is getting a lot better. They They like to spread it around. We're starting to see really what the DNA of this offense looks like when it's working. Um, what do you think about what Frank Reich has done the last couple of weeks? And there's a lot of criticism about some of his play calls. When you've dug into the film, what have you seen? Yeah, so I think there's always room for nitpicking 
and and maybe some tendencies and things like that. Those those are fine. You mean like, running I'm, in on second and long? Yeah, like I'm never <laughs> gonna I'm love just gonna that. Come out and say it. Like I'm never gonna love that, Frank. I'm sorry. I no. That's fine. Like you have your, your beliefs. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm not with you. But that being said, I I do think yeah that if you look at it on the whole, right? And this is what you and I always talk about, right? It judge them on the whole, not like on a play to play basis. Look at the whole picture. Take a step back. Ten thousand. The shame of it view. is Twitter doesn't do that. No, <laughs> Twitter's like what happened in the last five minutes, right? So <laughs> right, <laughs> because you only got two hundred eighty characters. I can't give you an oral history. So anyhow, but right, if you take a step back, look at the the ten thousand foot view, thirty thousand foot, whatever you prefer, you can see right that there's a method to the madness, and there's no question about it. I think that you know, look at for example. Uh, how you're starting to see players uh, catch the ball with opportunities to run after the catch, for example, right? You're starting to see some of that. Look at uh, look at the 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 sync the, the I guess how much they're in sync in terms of Rivers and his receivers. Um, I look at the the touchdown to Trey Burton, for example, on Sunday. Like that was a, a hell of a throw, an unbelievable throw, and a great catch too, by the way, by yes. Burton. But I think you're starting now to see. You know, you just talked about, for example, the throw to Devontae Adams to open the game. And part of the reason, as I broke down in the film review, part of the reason that happened is because Rivers trusted his guy, you know. And it's like he, he didn't have Rocky Asin beat. <laughs> they were like neck and neck, and he just throws it up. And you know why? Because he knows Devontae Adams is going to go get it. He knows where to put the ball, and Devontae Adams knows where the ball is going to be. So they've got that time on task together. Okay, so point is, 10 games in, starting to see a little bit of that. Michael Pittman, here's a guy, three weeks in, he gets hurt. He misses a month, okay? How much practice has he had? Not that much. Now he has, though. Now, you know, so he's had, he's got a few more weeks now under his belt. And you're seeing drastic improvement. And you're seeing, you talked about Frank Reich, and you asked, that was your original question. I think Frank is understanding his players and understanding how to use his players. The Michael Harris, he has a role. They understand him. Mm-hmm. And so... It really goes both ways. Players got to improve and got to figure out how they can contribute. But the coaches have to also figure those things out. How can we get those guys to to maximize their abilities? And I think both of those things are happening right now. Uh, And and that's a great thing because that means they've got room to continue ascending. They they may not be at the end of their of their progression with this offense, which is a great you know way of looking at this. And if that's true. That's great for the rest of the season. So, yeah, uh, it's going to get interesting now. And you mentioned one thing I wanted to point out. You mentioned getting guys the ball with space to run, right? Mm-hmm. Where they can take advantage of their uh, skill sets. We saw that with Michael Pittman. He jumps to mind to Michael Harris, you said as well. Another thing that's really started to jump out at me that even the last three years is Reich schemes a lot of guys open. He really does. I mean, these guys are wide open. A lot of times over the middle, whether it's Johnson or Pascal, T.Y. sometimes, that was not a staple of the Colts before Wright got here. Certainly it wasn't. They were just, T.Y., you got to go win. And he would win, and they would get their yards. But Wright has been able to do this exceptionally well with tight ends as well, where he's scheming guys open. And I think the two things that have stood out in their last two weeks, the biggest wins of the season, Tennessee, Green Bay, is Wright using the run game to set up the pass to set up the victory, really, because it really changed the game, and I thought in both ways. We saw Naheem Hines give them that huge spark in Nashville. Now, if Tennessee's not ready for Hines this week, I don't know what to tell you because he tore them up a couple weeks ago on Thursday night. 
And then against the Packers, and I mentioned this the other day, was getting the ball to Jonathan Taylor, of all people, early in that second half, five straight runs, I want to say 60 yards. It felt like the game changed. It felt like the Colts settled down. They got in control. And when they're able to do what they want on offense, which isn't always the case, they're able to really dictate the tenor of the game the rest of the way. We saw Green Bay go scoreless on their first four possessions of the second half. You got to give Wright credit for that because it probably wasn't the easiest or the obvious decision to go with the run early in the second half. It took some discipline. It took some patience, especially with a guy like Taylor, who struggled a lot recently. Um, But it paid off big time. And the Colts really seemed to take control of the game almost from there on out until we got to the final drive and all the penalties. And we won't go into that. (laughs) No, we won't. I I will say this. I, I feel like you asked me earlier about you know Frank Reich and some of his play calling and decision making, and I know sometimes people beat him up for being a little stubborn with the running game, and that's fine. Like I don't actually disagree with that. What I what I will say though is, I like what happened on Sunday. What you just outlined is he tried it. They had some success, and you know what he did? He kept going to it. And sometimes what he'll do is he'll get away from it, <laughs> which is which is the up opposite of what what he gets criticized for. But Whatever. I think sometimes Frank overthinks it. Maybe he's too smart for his own good. Like, he's literally the smartest coach I think I've ever met in any sport. Like, he really is too smart for this game sometimes. Yeah, very, very (laughs) cerebral. Thinks about everything. Has a reason for everything. There's a lot more that goes into it than just like, oh, I think we should go for it on fourth and two. Like, yeah, it's it's fun to kind of see the way he sees football. Yeah, and so, anyhow, I I do think that what I love, like I said, is the decision to go with the run. And then, okay, it's clicking. Well, you know what? double down on that lean into that and they did and had success doing it uh jonathan taylor same topic related topic i should say jonathan taylor he clearly is a very rhythmic player and that's something i thought we we kind of knew that i think i think we're starting to see that when you when you give him multiple opportunities he kind of gets rolling and maybe that's not ideal in this offense because they like to they like to try their hands at different things. So I don't know how that all meshes with this offense, but but that definitely is true. It does seem to be true. And and maybe that has something to do with this offensive line too. I think they are a, a very rhythm-based – there are a lot of rhythm-based performers on this offensive line too. You know, think back to some of their, their best – performances running the football in the last couple of years what have you what have they done they have really doubled down on running the ball and those mm-hmm. guys got better over the course of a game kansas city i think about the houston playoff game two years ago right. you know at the, and those big runs started to pop so i don't uh, know LA again, last how that, year the opener yeah yeah i don't know how that meshes with trying to be versatile on offense and all that that's something that they got to figure out but but those are definitely facts like we can see that so it's interesting Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So one thing we didn't talk about is Philip Rivers, he's got a little toe thing going on. Not a big deal, but he did miss practice on Wednesday. And it's it's just a, a thing, right? I mean, it's not a big deal, but uh, are they downplaying it or do you are you not worried about it? No, I'm not worried about it. It's Philip Rivers. And he <laughs> he was really funny today when we asked about it. He um he's like, look, like it's a toe. Like basically saying, like, I played through a torn ACL, for goodness sakes. Um, and I asked him, I asked him, first of all, how did this happen on the block? Because I went back and watched it and I just couldn't see any part of the play right. where he where he got hurt. And he, he kind of said, yeah, it, it didn't. It was just weird. And, and he said, well, it impact your throwing motion at all. And he said, no, he's like, my throwing motion is pretty weird as it is. Like, I don't think I can tweak it to make it any worse. <laughs> so he had right. fun with that. Um, Friday is not a day where your know, Colts are off tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Friday is not a day where he's going to go see if he's good to go. He expects to be good to go. Um, Friday is literally where they're just going to figure out like which cleat to put him on and, and if he, he needs any extra padding. So he's like, look, on all the list of injuries I played through, this one isn't a big one. You know, there's DBs, corners, and safeties who have played with bum toes and like where they have to cut a lot. Um, it's a much more serious issue for them. So Philip Rivers, in his mind, is just being safe today, sitting out practice, nothing tomorrow. He's good to go for Sunday. Um, and we asked him, you know, it probably wasn't the smartest thing to go out there and lay that block out with your freaking throwing shoulder exactly. as the as the main part. On Zadarius Zedari- on, on Smith, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> a the- huge dude on the end. Right. Uh, and Rivers is like, you know, sometimes that 16-year-old linebacker and 17-year-old free safety comes out. And, and he kind of paused, and then he was like, and, you know, I kind of wanted to make up for that Baltimore tackle debacle, which we all saw after the Jonathan Taylor fumble, and, and Rivers tried to make a tackle and just basically fell on his ass. Um, so we had a fun media session with Philip Rivers today. He was able to laugh at himself a little bit. Um, okay, here, he hey, here's my fears, question, though. though. Here's my question. Was it enough to live down the tackle attempt? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. If he had laid Zadarius Thomas out or Zadarius Smith out, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I would say yes. Yeah, because at that point, that's that's a that's a viral moment. If you do that, well, he yeah. already went viral for the wrong reason. But yeah, you, so now he's got to go viral in the other direction. <laughs> he went viral with his with his with him flat on his back. So now he's got to go viral and do something just amazing. He's got. I love that he admitted it, it though. Yes, he was like, you know what? It wasn't redemption, but. It, Kind of was in my mind. So, you know, good for him. It's a step him. in the right direction. It's good for him. Good thing he's not on Twitter direction. and he doesn't get on and, and, and have to watch that Baltimore highlight over and over because that was bad. That was just ugly. But don't you think that if 
if Philip Rivers was on Twitter, he'd probably talk shit. <laughs> oh, he'd be great. Yeah. It would probably be hilarious, actually. He'd like, be he'd great. probably get another player's mentions. He'd probably say, like, you know what? You weren't saying that when I threw that touchdown against you. You know, I mean, he would he, he would be hilarious, I think. We I should. think a lot more people would realize how much fun he is and how much yeah. fun he brings to football. I think it's probably one of the shames of him playing in San Diego for so long is that right. it just wasn't a national conversation about the guy and stacked up wins and piled up all these yards and passing touchdowns. But really, I just think um, he's just got a great, fun personality. It's, it's, it's hard not to like him, I'll be honest. I will tell you, and we've both written stories about Philip Rivers, the guy. And I, I think in doing that, I will tell you, first of all, I learned a lot because what you just said is so true about, I know we're not talking about the game anymore, but this is fun. So <laughs> Philip Rivers playing in San Diego definitely had him off the radar. There's no question about that, right? It's a, it's a smallish market by NFL standards. So is Indy, but but Indy has had, you know, this run of success for 20 years. So, you know, with Peyton Manning, right? So the mm-hmm. circumstances here were different. But San Diego, you're kind of an NFL outpost. You're the little brother to L.A., you know, all that, right? So he's in this this town that no one's talking about or thinking about for the most part. Uh, they won some games, but then there were other times that weren't really relevant. And so what I learned in writing about him is, man, I wish I knew this about this guy. I wish I knew yep. all this about him and I didn't know any of it. And I wondered why was that? And so why am I laying this out? Because it's unfortunate, really, really unfortunate that his debut in Indy had to be in 2020 because mm-hmm. 2020 sucks and you can't feel and touch and be close to Philip Rivers. I mean, we can't even, you know? And so he has said that many on many occasions, you know, he really wishes that this was a regular year because um, first of all, the home crowd alone would have been a big difference for him, you know, uh, after playing in whatever the hell that stadium's called nowadays <laughs> in Carson, California, wherever that is. Right. right? It was like so, a, it was like a D2 football college stadium. That's what it felt right. like last year when we walked in there for week one. Yeah, it, it was something else. So anyway, I, I know we got off on the tangent, but it, you're right. I mean, he, he really is a treasure. There's no question about it. The guy is special. And, and, and I love that he, He's a down-to-earth guy, too. You know, for a guy who has had so much success, so much, mm-hmm. uh, to to be so personable and to be so um, just, you know, not taking himself seriously, too, which is another thing that always endears people to to athletes, you know? Um, I just wish the fans could have had a better chance to, to have more of, you know, an interaction with him. We get some of it, but not as much as we would have hoped. I, I still wish we had a chance to go in the locker room and actually just kind of like shoot the shit with Philip Rivers. That'd yeah. be fun. Yeah, that's the that's the huge shame of it. And, and Nick Hardwick, his longtime center with the Chargers, was like, and I talked to him several times for the story I wrote, was like, listen, like, he's going to talk trash, and it's going to take a little while, but the Colts are going to have a big win, and he's going to play through some kind of pain. He's going to play through some injury. He's going to make a great throw late, and the fans are going to really love him. I'm not sure if that was Sunday, but it felt like it because he was in some pain. If you go back and watch the tape, this guy was limping around. He was not 100%. And he played great. I thought Rivers played really, really good on Sunday. And I watched a lot of those throws that were throws the Colts weren't making last year, to put it succinctly. So um, I think I think what he did Sunday opened the doors for what's possible the rest of the way. I still think they're a second-tier team in the AFC. But I think all of a sudden the playoff chatter starts to become real. And if they can do it Sunday against the Titans again and sweep the Titans, who are, in my mind, still a really good team, 
Um, that's just going to further validate what I wrote Monday morning. The Colts just keep proving that they're for real. Hey, nothing else you can do. There's nothing more you can do. Win the games in front of you. And look, if they win this game, my, my approach to this is they're a playoff team pretty much. They, they would have to bend over backwards to screw it up if they win right. this game You, you don't Sunday. get through the meat of this schedule three and one and then, and then, and then fall on your face at the end. Right. It just, it just, that would just not, just wouldn't happen. Yeah, they're, they're a team that's on the rise right now, and that team at this time last year, you already know what happened, right? They were going the opposite direction. So, again, and I know this is not groundbreaking, but it, it really is remarkable when you think about in a year's time just how different the season feels. I mean, the record is is clearly different, but it's not just that. It's not that the record is so dramatically different. It's just that they're a different team, okay? Completely different team. And that's fun. I mean, everything is possible right now. Literally everything is possible. I mean, I'm not putting money on them to win the Super Bowl or anything, <laughs> but literally everything is possible. That's where they're at. So I think that's something to feel good about. So uh, let's... Before we get out of here, real quick, uh, prediction. We got to do that. Um, I mean, I can go first if you want. Or yeah, you go first. All Let right. me think this through. It's this a big one. Yeah, I I got to go with my gut. I, I've, I've had a good feeling about this team the last few weeks. I got it wrong on Baltimore, but I know what happened there, right? I, I, actually, I completely understand why that happened, and I don't feel bad about my pick. They didn't do what I anticipated they would do. Uh, but in this game... Uh, the first Tennessee game, it went about like I thought it would in terms of how I thought the Colts would perform offensively. They did exactly what I thought they would do. They had offensive success. success excuse me. I think they can do it again. I really think they can. I don't think Tannehill is going to have his way as he has with some other defenses. So I think they win. I think it's a close one. A lot closer this time. I'm going to say 27-23 Colts. Yeah, I like it. And I'm, I'm going the same way. And here's here's what I just thought about in my head over the last 30 seconds. It's the Colts and the Titans. Go with the Colts. Like at the end <laughs> yeah, of the right. day, there don't you go. complicate it. And I and I look, I think Vrabel's excellent. And I like the way the Titans play. And I like the way they've rebuilt that franchise. Like, I got to respect that. But I like this Colts offense against that defense. And, and I'm buying the Colts defense. And I've been saying that for months. And, and I, think, I think you're right in saying it won't be the same game we saw in Tennessee. But I still do think the Colts have an edge in a couple key areas. And I like the way the offense is going. I really do think Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers have settled in. And that's something we asked Rivers about today. And he's like, yeah, we had to we had to figure some things out after Cleveland and after Jacksonville. And I think they have. And when you're getting guys like T.Y., who's, who's making good plays, and you're getting a lot of guys involved. It seems like every week there's 9 or 10 or 11 guys that make a catch. That's tough to defend. And, and I think they'll have some success against this Titans team again on Sunday and and if they do then all of a sudden the Colts are 8 and 3 and it's going to be a fun December. So we'll see but and I'm taking the Colts 28 to 21. Yeah. The other thing I didn't mention and this is part of my rationale too. I believe uh, Jadavian Clowney's on IR. So uh no Jadavian yes. Clowney. Not to say that he was going to single-handedly win it, but I I, wor- I worried about him in the last game. Him and Jeffrey Simmons up front. That's a pretty good combination. Those guys really didn't uh, have their way. They did impact the game, but they didn't change the game per se, you know. And so now being down Clowney, that just adds uh, to the complexity for for Tennessee, and, and I think gives a further advantage to the Colts up front. That offensive line, I mean, holding penalties be damned. I get it. Like that just can't keep happening. But 
outside of that, like they're winning up front, and certainly in the passing game, they're they're winning up front. Uh, they get Braden Smith back, I think. If they do, then, he was practicing uh, today with a cast, which okay. is progress because he wasn't okay. practicing last Friday. So I would lean towards he's playing. Yeah, and I think that they survived last week without him. Uh, with him, they're much much better. So I I, I feel like. I like their chances. So, anyway, uh, relax, take a load off. It's Thanksgiving. Uh, for those of you who have to work and uh, essential workers, thank you, and uh, stay safe out there. But anyway, that's that's the podcast for today. We're we're gonna be back. We got lots to talk about one way or another on Sunday evening. So stick around for that. Now, for now, I am Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Uh, oh, before we go, Black Friday sale on the Athletic, best sale of the year. I believe a dollar per month uh, for 12 months, I believe. So anyway, that starts on Thursday. Check that out. Uh, We've got a couple big stories coming up that you won't want to miss. So lean into that and take advantage. So Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer for 1% better.